All right, good evening, listeners. Welcome back to another episode of What Had Happened, a true crime podcast. I am your host, Kimberly, bringing you lesser-known true crime stories. Well, listeners, what a hell of a week it has been in current events. All of you are in my thoughts in Colorado and Georgia and everywhere else, all of this immense fucktaciousness is popping off at um it's gonna be all happy because spring is here but i can't really say that i'm all that jazzed right now don't forget to go ahead and join the facebook group what had happened at true crime podcast where we discuss and meme and do all sorts of what had happened okay i'm supposed to do this stuff but you guys should also you know participate um but go ahead and join the group Also, we have the Instagram and Twitter page links that will be down in the description box. Our last episode, I went off the rails with disgust towards Augustine Garcia and the wedding day murder of Gladys Ricard in New Jersey. This week, I will be telling you what had happened with Andrea Hicks Jackson. So, a fun fact, this is uh, a little creepy, but uh... Before I get into this case, I have a confession. When I was 17 years old, I had a subscription to Jane Magazine. And one month, I would say it was like late summer, early fall or whatever. Like school had just started. I'm going through this magazine and there was like this in-depth interview with Andrea Hicks Jackson. She's an African-American woman who is in the process of, you know having her like I think it was like her third or fourth petition to have her death row sentence overturned in the state of Florida it's kind of a big deal the spread covered the details of her crime and like the legal battle that would you know that she had ensued um there were times when Andrea spoke candidly about her children and the relationship that she had with them now throughout the collages of photos there was a picture of an envelope with andrea's inmate address i'm scratching my head on this one i do remember what i wrote in my letter to her but that's between she and i a few weeks later i received an extremely long letter back from her and i am ashamed to say that you know she happened to catch me when my time was stretched so thin with a full course load of advanced classes, work, life in general, that I didn't find the time to write back to her. And so for me, I always felt guilty because now that I'm an adult, I understand a whole lot more that the time that I had out in you know the world doing whatever I want to do needed to do whatever she didn't have that she she was still on death row at the time I believe so for me it was more like I I wasted her time because she didn't have to take the time to write me like this 20 page letter I think it was somewhere between like 12 and 20 it was really long and that was also really intimidating to me not gonna lie because it was like 17 years old um anyways like I said um 
From time to time, I would catch an update on her or pieces of an interview that she had conducted before, and I never really, I, I, I swear to God, I, I, just, I never wanted to talk about her on this podcast. I discussed it privately a few times, um, but I always came back to not wanting to do it because I had once shared a brief correspondence with her. But as I began constructing scripts for like literally three other cases, I ping-ponged between all of these different cases and Andrea's face kept re-emerging in my YouTube scrolling and general research. Even though there's not a lot of information on her, like, I remember her face. So, it felt like it was meant to be, and so, here we go, I'm just gonna get on with it, and this will probably be like a really short episode, so here we go. Andrea Hicks Jackson was born Andrea Felicia Hicks, February 26th, 1958. Andrea's childhood in Jacksonville, Florida was filled with sexual abuse that began at the age of 10 when she was raped and proceeded until she was 16, all at the hands of her stepfather. Andrea said the abuse only stopped when she ran away and got married at the age of 16. During the time of her marriage, Andrea gave birth to two sons. Throughout her teens and early mid-twenties, Andrea became an alcoholic and multiple substance abuser. Having grown up in a hostile and abusive environment, Andrea took to doing what she had to do to feed her addictions. On the night of May 17, 1983, a routine vandalism call came into 911 dispatch just after midnight on the north side of Jacksonville. 28-year-old rookie officer Gary Bevel responded to the call. When he, res- when he arrived on the scene of 26th Street and Boulevard Street, he found a smashed-up 1973 Buick. After questioning neighbors, Officer Bevel determined the caller, 25-year-old Andrea Jackson, vandalized her own car in an attempt to defraud the insurance company. Officer Bevel then tried to arrest Andrea for the misdemeanor crime of making a false report. At this time, male officers were not allowed to search and frisk female suspects, and misdemeanor offenses didn't require being handcuffed. sidebar that's changed now most likely because of this yeah that's changed now in florida uh while attempting to place andrea in the back seat of the squad car she fought with him she tossed a set of keys on the ground to throw to quote throw officer bevel off as she struggled with him to be taken in When the officer reached down to pick up the keys, in that moment, she reached into her waistband and fired six shots, four to the head and two to the shoulders, killing him immediately. As horrified neighbors who witnessed the shooting ran to call 911, Andrea escaped the police car and ran away. Four hours later, Andrea returned to her apartment where she was apprehended and placed under arrest for first-degree murder a crime that in Florida at the time could be punishable by death. November 1983, when Andrea's trial began, she asserted that she had no recollection of the murder of Officer Bevel because she was drunk and high on various drugs at the time, and as well as having blocked out the event from her mind. 
During her trial, she would recount that in the moment that she killed Officer Bevel, high and out of her mind, all she remembered was wrestling with a dark figure that lumbered towards her. While kicking and screaming, Andrea said she wasn't fighting off the officer, she was fighting off the attacks of her stepfather. She would say, quote, all that I remember was it was a big guy in black and we were wrestling. We were tussling. That's all I vividly remember. And to be honest, I don't remember anything and I don't want to remember. I don't try to remember because I don't want to remember. And I hope I never remember. The prosecution would say Andrea knew exactly what she was doing when she fired six shots into the body of Officer Bevel. Andrea didn't want to go back to jail. Prosecution would paint Andrea as an executioner of Officer Gary Bevel. Andrea would would assert that she quote said she said quote I am not a murderer. I've never purposely set out to harm or maim anybody in my whole life. In the end, the jury would find Andrea guilty of first degree murder and she was sentenced to death by the electric chair in 1984. On February 10th, 1984, after her sentencing, Andrea was transferred to the Broward Correctional Institution near Fort Lauderdale, Florida. 15 years into her sentence, at the age of 40, Andrea would credit the judge and the jury saying, quote, they did me a favor by locking me up. They rescued me because I would have died and been in hell because I was on the verge of somebody killing me or me killing myself. While on death row, Andrea was hypnotized by a psychiatrist who reported Andrea had a flashback on the night of the shooting of her childhood abuse, which caused her to snap. In Andrea's mind, she wasn't killing the officer. She was finally stopping her stepfather's abuse. Andrea would also say that she felt in that moment the officer was going to rape her. Now, there is no proof whatsoever that that was was what his intentions were. He simply was trying to retrieve the keys that she threw at him in a way to get him off of her. There's layers to this. But in her mind, because she perceived him as being her stepfather, she thought she was going to be raped. While on death row, Andrea got sober and became a born-again Christian. She learned to accept her part in the murder of Officer Bevel, while also learning and understanding what happened to her mentally to cause her to react in such a violent manner. Over the course of the years, Andrea's death row sentence was reversed okay quite a few times in july 1989 she was resentenced or she her sentence was reversed and then she was resentenced on february 21st 1992 again the death row sentence was reversed in 1994 and then she was resentenced on december 13th 1995 and it was reversed again in 1997. Four times, Andrea Hicks Jackson was sentenced to death for murdering a Jacksonville police officer in 1983. 
four times the Florida Supreme Court sent the case back to the trial judge for resentencing. Chief Circuit Judge Donald R. Morin, who maintained for more than 15 years that Andrea should die for killing Officer Bevel, stunned a Jacksonville courtroom when he changed his sentence and ordered that she instead spend the rest of her life in prison. And despite Judge Morin's pronouncement that her sentence is, quote, without parole, Andrea, who came within five days of being executed in 1989, could be eligible for could have been eligible for release in nine years because of the law on the books at the time of her murder. And this quote was coming from 2000. Andrea, who had heard three different juries recommend that she die for the murder, broke down in tears and hugged her attorney when Judge Moran announced the sentence. Quote, she was pretty shaken up after defense attorney Stephen uh, said defense attorney Stephen Weinbaum quote she was somewhat in shock saying he was uncomfortable with the Florida Supreme Court sending the case back to him Judge Moran indicated he wanted some finality to the case quote justice requires punishment he said during the sentencing Andrea could have been released from prison by 2009 because of the law in 1984 when she was sentenced, which said that killers sentenced to life are eligible for parole in 25 years. Assistant State Attorney Bernie Della Rionda said it would be up to Jackson's lawyers to decide if they want to make sure that law is applied. State Attorney Harry Shortstein said he can understand Moran's frustration with the fact that the case continues to get sent back by the Supreme by the state Supreme Court. Quote, with all respect for Judge Moran, he's been dealing with this case for 17 years, and I think that he felt that there had to be an end to it, Shorstein said. Quote, I understand that he could conclude that it was appropriate to bring it to an end. So, a jury had convicted Andrea of first-degree murder and recommended she get the death penalty, and Judge Moran sentenced Andrea to death in 1984. She was scheduled to die on May 9, 1989, but was granted an indefinite stay of execution on May 4, 1989, by the Florida Supreme Court. That same year, the court ruled that the testimony of former Sheriff Dale Carson during Andrea's trial was inappropriate and ordered that Andrea be resentenced. In late 1991, a jury again recommended that she get death, which Judge Moran sentenced her to in 1992. But in 1994, the state Supreme Court overturned the death sentence again, saying that the judge erred when he described the murder as cold, calculated, and premeditated in his instructions to the jury. In 1995, a third jury decided that Andrea should get the death penalty. Judge Moran agreed in 1996, but the state's highest court had overturned the sentence yet again, saying that Judge Moran didn't provide an, a detailed analysis for his reasoning behind this. So in 1998, Judge Moran sentenced Andrea to death for the fourth time, but the state Supreme Court overturned the sentence in January of 
2000 saying that Andrea's rights were violated when she wasn't allowed to attend a hearing in Jacksonville two years prior. The decision also shocked and angered Jacksonville police. Sheriff Nat Glover, who recruited Gary Bevel, said he was disappointed that Andrea wouldn't pay with her life for killing the young officer. Shortstein said that Jackson's case is a clear example of the frustration that prosecutors and trial judges have because of the mixed messages that they receive from the state Supreme Court regarding the death penalty. It's gotten to the point where, quote, it's gotten to the point where it's very difficult for us to know when they'll affirm a death penalty and when they won't. Shortstein said, quote, I think there's been a definite inconsistency over the years and the rulings that are applicable to the sentence of death, not the conviction, but the sentence of death. So that's basically the gist of it but I was able to do a little bit more sleuthing and this is what I found this comes this is a parole hearing letter from January 28th 2007 and this is for the Florida Parole Commission through the Victim Services re Prisoner Andrea Hicks Jackson parole hearing scheduled for February 7th, 2007. As president of the Florida State Lodge Fraternal Order of Police representing over 20,000 law enforcement professionals proudly serving the citizens of Florida, I am writing in regards to the pending parole hearing of Andrea Hicks Jackson. Clear in the knowledge that parole hearings may be inevitable, the depth of my outreach at the possibility of Andrea Hicks Jackson ever being released from the Florida State Prison System is immeasurable. The brutal, senseless, intentional murder of one of my brother officers, a peace officer serving the Jacksonville community, cries for justice. Andrea Hicks Jackson should never breathe a single breath of freedom. On February 7, 2007, Andrea Hicks Jackson, the lone murderer of Jacksonville Sheriff's Officer, Officer Gary Bevel, will have a hearing before the Florida Parole Commission. The parole examiner's recommendation is that she be released on 5-17-2018. How ironic that her, recommendation, her recommended release date would fall on the anniversary of the murder. During the evening of May 17, 1983, Jacksonville Sheriff's Officer, Police Officer Gary Bevel, 29 years old, was working his shift protecting the citizens of Jacksonville. His service would bring him on a collision course with Andrea Hicks Jackson that would cost him his life. According to undisputed testimony presented by witnesses at trial and resentencing hearing, when Andrew and a resentencing hearing when Andrea Hicks Jackson left her estranged husband's apartment her attempts to start her car failed in an angry fit of rage and frustration she vandalized the automobile smashing the windows and pulled wires from under the hood she removed the battery and tag she then removed personal items from the interior and trunk she took some of the items she removed from the car to her husband's apartment. 
Jackson's behavior was reported to the police and Jacksonville police officers Gary Bevel and Burton Griffin responded separately to the disturbance call. Jackson emerged from her husband's apartment and approached the officers. The officers asked, asked Jackson about the car. She informed them that she owned it but did not implicate herself as the person responsible for the damage. The officers then asked Jackson to retrieve proof of ownership of the vehicle. Jackson returned to her husband's apartment to obtain the documentation. While Jackson was gone, Officer Bevel began preparing a police report and Officer Griffin left the scene. When Jackson came downstairs again, she sat with Officer Bevel in the police car. Witnesses saw the officer and Jackson talking as they sat together in the car. Witnesses also indicated that they saw Officer Bevel writing something. Jackson eventually exited the car and returned to the apartment. When Jackson returned to the apartment for the second time, her car was towed away and Officer Bevel began to interview witnesses. Two witnesses told Officer Bevel that Jackson vandalized her own car. As the officer discussed the incident with these two witnesses, witnesses, a third witness saw Jackson exit the apartment and place a gun into her waistband. Jackson then went downstairs and began wandering around Officer Bevel's police car. One of the two witnesses with whom Officer Bevel was speaking with saw Jackson reach into the officer's car and look through some papers. She alerted Officer Bevel that Jackson was going into his police car. Officer Bevel approached Jackson and asked what she was doing. Thereafter, he told Jackson she was under arrest for filing a false police report. Before Officer Bevel was able to place Jackson into the back seat of the police car, Jackson lunged at the officer and hit him. A struggle ensued. As Officer Bevel grabbed Jackson's knee to place her legs into the police car, Jackson dropped her keys and said, quote, You made me drop my keys. As Officer Bevel retrieved the keys, Jackson fired six shots at the officer. Four hit his head and two hit his shoulder. Officer Bevel fell on Jackson, who pushed him aside and fled. Jackson waved down two men in a truck and they offered her a ride. While in the truck, Jackson admitted to having done something she did not want to do. When Jackson saw her friend, Joy Shelton, she asked the driver to drop her off. Jackson had called Shelton after she shot the officer and asked Shelton to meet her. Shelton and Jackson drove to Shelton's house where Jackson confessed to Shelton and Shelton's roommate, Shirley Freeman, that she shot a police officer because she did not want to go back to jail. Freeman called the police to find out the status of the officer and discovered that he was dead. The next morning, Jackson returned to her husband's apartment where she was subsequently arrested. Officer Gary Bevel's life ended tragically on that fateful call. Andrea Hicks Jackson was convicted of first-degree murder on February 10, 1984. The jury unanimously recommended a sentence of death, and the trial judge followed the jury's recommendation. The seemingly never-ending saga of Andrea Hicks Jackson 
following her encounter with Officer Bevel continues today in the Florida legal system. Governor Bob Martinez signed a death warrant and set her execution for May 9, 1989 at 7 a.m. However, it was not to be. After three more trials in 1992, 1996, and 1998, each of which ended with the recommendation of the death penalty, the Florida Supreme Court has overturned the, imp- the imposition of the death sentence. On June 21, 2000, Chief Circuit Judge Donald Morrison stunned the courtroom when he changed his original sentence to life in prison. The possibility of this brutal murderer regaining her freedom is an affront to all law enforcement officers. Officer Bevel killed, quote, in the line of duty for doing his duty demands justice. The citizens of Florida deserve to be free from the likes of Andrea Hicks Jackson forever. She has managed to cheat the death penalty. She does not deserve to ever leave the cold steel bars of her prison cell and should live out the remainder of her life contemplating the consequences of her brutal senseless act. The memory of Officer Bevel must be respected. As president of the Florida State Lodge Fraternal Order of Police, I write to ask that Andrea Hicks Jackson be denied either clemency or parole and never become free to harm another Florida citizen. Please include this letter in her prison file so that it may be introduced at this and every subsequent parole hearing. Sincerely, James W. Preston, President Florida State Lodge. Well, well, listeners. So, what had happened is this. By her own admission, Andrea Hicks Jackson was under the influence of multiple substances. Um, I am not going to get into what drug she was into because I really don't remember I remember her telling me when I was like 17 but I you know it was like a she told me her entire life basically in that letter um and I never kept it you know I got older I moved away and stuff and so I, I don't even have that but she was higher than you know most people can handle and there was a fit of rage between her vehicle and herself where she took it out on that car but she also being someone who knew how to hustle and had to shit I just tore up my fucking car now I gotta pay for it how am I you know it's my whip it's the only thing it's my only mode of transportation it's the only way to get my camp my kids around it's the only way to go score dope whatever the fuck it is um so within that moment she decided to defraud and uh she also suffered from abuse you know a history of it for years at the hands of her stepfather and it is quite possible for someone to have 
a, psych- a psychotic break, especially whilst under the influence of a myriad of substances. So I'll play devil's advocate. Okay, she snapped. She shot him six times. She unloaded. She unloaded her revolver into this police officer. It's uncalled for. It's un- it was unnecessary. Two times was too much. One time was too much. Shooting an officer is never something that, you know, that's not the answer, especially when it's a misdemeanor. But when you are under the influence, you know, common sense logic kind of goes out the fucking window, doesn't it? I mean, how many times have we seen it where people have been under the influence and they've fled the scene of a crime. She fled the scene of the crime too, didn't she? How many times have we seen DUI people, you know, instances where the person has committed a hit and run? You know? Um, it's not my place to say whether or not she was blowing smoke up anybody's asses with a bubble blower what she did is what she did clear and you know clear as day she committed murder do i believe that she deserved to face old sparky i could think of some other people from florida that committed far more heinous crimes men and women alike eileen warnos for one uh geez i can't think of those orville and red and not the bockers those there was a group of there were some friends they actually were involved with they say that they were involved with the murder of john walsh's son adam walsh they were from florida too we had ted bundy down there you know the co-ed we had a co-ed killer down there you know i could think of a lot of seriously heinous crimes that stack up against this and i'm not saying that the murder of a police officer does not stand up you know against that but i also think that like if you look at what somebody's criminal history looks like how many offenses they've had i think that this was honestly just a really fucked up night I think it was a really bad mistake. Um, Good people do fucked up shit. Bad people do fucked up shit. She did what she did and it was bad. And it was wrong. I don't necessarily think that she... I think that she... I think that she deserved life in prison. I think she at least deserved, deserved 25 years for it. At least 25 years. At least. Um... I think she at least deserved to do a life sentence. And if she was remorseful, showed contrition, you know, was willing to become a productive member of society, then possibility of parole. But this fucking over, you know, tax dollars and bringing this back and forth to the Supreme Court to keep shooting it back down you know locally uh 
it was a it was a, I think that's a loss of resources and I think it's a miscarriage of justice um I feel that once it was overturned the first time it needed to just remain that way once she got her stay of execution because if memory serves me correctly during this time frame with all of this back and forth and rigmarole Florida was going back and forth between being a death penalty state um and women on death row at the time the numbers were disproportionate african-american women on death row were super disproportionate i mean and it's the electric chair so it's not really like humane either so that's what happened andrea jackson or hicks jackson uh what do you guys think about this one i'm kind of off my game because as i said in the beginning you know it's been a really rough week with current events and stuff and i'm a feeler and a healer so i internalize the feels and the bad vibes off of this so hope everybody's well we will it's a very short episode wow we just under 35 minutes hope you guys have a good rest of your week Let's roll this beautiful outro music in just a moment. <laughs>